Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. OutKick 360 underway. Friday edition is here with Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton from 6th and Peabody. It's our broadcast site, our home. Outkick Studios right here with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, where the crowd is packed watching the SEC tournament and much more as we are on the eve of Selection Sunday with all the brackets being announced. A&M, did they already punch their ticket as an at-large bid for Sunday? They upset Auburn earlier today. We'll get to that and a lot of headlines Bobby Carpenter is going to join us in 20 minutes. We'll hit the NFL week of headlines with him. Later in the show, Trey Wallace of Outkick.com checks in live from Tampa as we will discuss all things SEC tournament and preview tonight's games. And one of those games features the Vols taking on Mississippi State. Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com previews that with us today at 5 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Central. Gentlemen, good afternoon. I'm happy, boys. We got... Basketball on the televisions all over the place. Uh, tournament action right around the corner. Conference tournament going on now. NCAA tournament Sunday, Selection Sunday. Can't beat this time of year. That uh, Auburn failure, um, Trey predicted it, and uh, I think one of you bet on it. But um, I took the AM and money line. I don't look at it as an Auburn failure. I think AM is hitting their stride. Buzz, Buzz Williams is coaching great right now, and he's got a team that is all out. Uh, it's motivated to play great. I mean, they, they busted out to a 25 point lead, Chad, was it? So I've been looking at brackets. They were hitting everything. Um, yeah, they were up big. They were up 22 in the second half at one point. Looking at bracketology, Joe Lenardi has AM after that win in the next four out. So somewhere around 72 in the country. Jerry Palm, who I pay more attention to now because Jerry Palm was on the NCAA reveal that showed the top four seeds and adjusted his bracket accordingly and put those four seeds that they gave you at the time right. while Joe Lenardi continued yeah. to tell you that it was different <laughs> than what the NCAA told us. Jerry Palm has them in the first four uh, playing Rutgers. A&M Rutgers 12 versus 12, so one of the last two teams in uh, would be A&M. Great win for A&M, and uh, Paul, you said a, an Auburn failure. I thought they failed down the stretch. C- Wendell Green was throwing well, bombs. They, they didn't have any set offense going on. They failed falling behind 22. Yeah. They, they, got they got something going late and made a game out of it, and this is kind of what Auburn does at times. There is a movement to fade Auburn right now. That's the hashtag, fade Auburn. Why? They can't shoot threes. Wendell Green Jr. got hot late. They are not a good three-point shooting team. This is not your typical Bruce Pearl team. This reminds me of Bruce Pearl's last team at Tennessee that was led by Tobias Harris as a freshman who was a six-foot-nine shooter, 
What's the similarity? They're led by Jabari Smith, who is a six foot ten shooter right now. That was not a good guard oriented team. This is not a good guard oriented team. Auburn's very good. They've had a great season. They're going to be a two seed more than likely in the tournament. I'm not trusting Auburn right now because of that guard play. And about, I think A&M exposed them today with their guards. How about Katie Johnson? 0 for 14. That is uh, beyond cold. Uh, that, that, I mean, it, in the first half, it was their entire team. They were 3 for 20 from beyond the arc in the first half. As a team, they shot 16%. That's the worst half of basketball we've seen from Auburn all season. And meanwhile, you have A&M coming off a win and – putting some things together as they advance now um, past the quarterfinals. And they did have that desperate feeling to them, like you talked yeah. about yesterday, like it's their whole season in that game. And to Auburn, it, it just doesn't have that, that same meaning. Um, they were and, up, and one team played like it meant a lot more. There was like 11 Rose minutes the left. They're up 53-33 or something. And then all of a sudden, Auburn just goes on this run. Um, play of the game, though, was with two minutes left, five-point game. Buzz Williams calls a timeout, draws up a play that gets a dunk. They're back up by seven, and all the momentum went right back to the A&M bench. And Auburn was never, never able to get that extra possession to get it within one or two points down the stretch. I'm just not a believer in Auburn. I think that they have, they have the guy you can go to and manufacture something in Jabari Smith that can score a, a number of ways. He's an outside threat. He's an inside threat. But their lack of guard play would scare me if I'm picking them to go deep in the tournament. Um, I'll say Arkansas is the opposite of that. They're playing LSU right now, but J.D. Note is a guy I trust. Their guard yeah, play, I, I trust their guards. I trust their guards to do something. Tennessee's the same Tennessee's way. Tennessee's got so many guards. Tennessee's got – they're going to run three point guards at you in winning time. And all three of them can bring the ball up. Two of the three can hit free throws. Kennedy Chandler's been a little bit more of an adventure lately at the free throw line. Um, but it's, it's fascinating to see the teams that are going to be high seeds that you don't necessarily trust. And I could say this. I could nitpick any team that's out there and tell you what, what is wrong with them, where they are deficient. But Auburn's glaring deficiency, the, not just erratic guard play, but and I'm not talking just hot or cold. We're talking 0 for 14 bad or Wendell Green pulling from half court, hitting a few threes to get you back. But there's no in-between. There's zero consistency with their guards. For that reason, I got a hard time believing in Auburn right now. You mentioned Rutgers earlier, but right there on the bubble, they're facing Iowa today. They're in the middle of the first half there, and they trail by 11 or 12 points early on to an Iowa team that's been playing really good. Uh, as of late. So we'll keep you updated on that score. Uh, of course, Arkansas, Arkansas, last I checked, Chad, was up by three or four over LSU uh, midway through the first half. Um, so we'll, we'll discuss that. And that leads into tonight's matchups, the evening matchups, where Tennessee takes on Mississippi State, followed by Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt knocks off Alabama last night, where it was one of the more exciting games you're going to find this week. Um, really strong performance by Vandy. Alabama, if they're not hitting threes, they're not winning, and they take a lo just a load of them. They, they unload from three instead of driving to the basket. They would rather shoot from beyond the perimeter and see if they can live or die by it. So a Bama coach says to Scottie Pippen before the game, you ask for it, you're going to get it? That's uh, not a smooth play. Nate Oates said as much after the game, but I, I, 
I wouldn't want an assistant. And this is exactly what Nate Oates said. I don't, I don't want an assistant coach engaging with an opposing player before well, the game. I mean, but but what he said that the the coach is an idiot. Yeah. What Scotty Pippen Jr. said is well, exactly what they got truth. from Bama. He said they're beatable, which is what we were saying yesterday. And then the the assistant coach said, "Well, you asked for it, you're going to get it. What a beatable Bama team." <laughs> I mean that was stupid. I mean, you you know how the that Scottie Pippen knows they're beatable. They missed a layup to beat them two <laughs> weeks before. I mean, this is not this is not you know uh, solving the atom. It wasn't some I mean, huge this is, insult. This is they have evidence. They played them head to head at Memorial Gym, and Vandy should have won the game. So you knew this could be a close game in this one. Really, really dumb. Yeah. Of the Alabama guy. Let me stay in the Yellowhammer state for my next criticism. Okay. I- I'm not picking Alabama to win a game in the NCAA tournament. I don't care who they're playing. They're going to be a 6-11 game. You ride with that 11 seed. This Alabama team, even worse than Auburn in that they are so guard-driven, but their guards do nothing but shoot threes. Their entire strategy is to drive like a madman towards the basket and either throw something up or throw rocket a pass out to the perimeter for a three-point shot. And you saw the good when they got up 15 in that game of that strategy, and then the very bad with that. And here's why Vandy wins. Scottie Pippen Jr., take it in with him. You're not going to see him in college basketball after this run, which may end tonight against Kentucky. He doesn't rely on threes. No. That guy gets the line. That guy hits shots down low where he's posting up. And I'm thinking, how is this six foot guy, you know, six foot one, getting that position and scoring where most guys are getting blocked? He is great at body position, knowing how to get fouled, great with the mid range game. Scottie Pippen's fun to watch. He's a difference maker for Vandy, and he's he's the reason they're going on this run right now. This has a chance to be a good game tonight against Kentucky. I'm not picking Vandy to beat Kentucky in this game. I think it's gonna be very close. Tony has uh, the he's the leading scorer so far in the Arkansas LSU matchup where he has nine of the sixteen points for Arkansas. Uh, they lead sixteen twelve over the LSU Tigers uh, with ten eleven remaining in the first half. Uh, we'll continue to give you the scoreboard updates there as uh, at least here in Nashville, you've got the the springtime feel with college basketball and the tournaments in the air, and we'll certainly feel that way on Monday. Paul reminded us we spring oh. forward an hour. God bless. Uh, everybody confuses what they like, what they don't like. You like daylight savings time. A lot of people say they don't like it. What they mean is they don't like Falling when it back. gets dark early. Uh, listen, you lose an hour here. You sacrifice a day of sleep for this. We're going to walk out of here at 5 o'clock. We'll be able to go home. Chad and I will play with the kids in daylight. Hut, you and your wife can walk the dog in the, in the, yeah. in the daylight. It's a beautiful thing. That's right. Um, it's also, the best thing also, that happens. Spring this springs hour, with this. This hour of, oh, we get an extra hour of sleep or we're losing hours of sleep. No, none of that factors into a, a daily life anymore. Everybody's getting their six or seven hours, no matter if you're gaining an hour or not. I don't buy that. Like, the trade-off oh, we're, is... We're losing an hour of sleep. Is this that some like awful sentence? Set your alarm you four for times for Sunday morning for church yeah, because the only thing you're that not going to wake up if is not. the bars close an hour early. That's the only thing that changes. And when do it, they? It doesn't change till two. What time do bars in Nashville, Tennessee? Well, it depends where you are. Like in, Bur- in Birmingham, right. in Birmingham, they're closing at eleven. Last time I was there, 
Well, like uh, sports bars, hotel bars early. will close earlier than than other ones. But in 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 Nashville, in Tennessee, it's it's, it's by city. It's right. three a.m. In Nashville, it's three. Bars close at three a.m. So at two o'clock, it becomes three o'clock. So you well, do lose it, an hour. Hunter You'll brings get a good point. The last time I remember the uh, this what spring forward yeah. Yeah. that we're going through now playing a factor was when I was twenty three and at a bar at two a.m. and they sent you out. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. Wow, it must be we spring get it. forward. We're going to get our sleep that, either way. Last call night, you could start what? drinking. Uh, you could drink on a patio later. And it's I, I feel like it's a crutch now where you're like, oh, we're springing ball. We're going to lose an hour of sleep. And I was, go to bed when you like, go, just go to bed normal and get your six or seven hours that everyone's getting. No one's getting more than that, right? I, if I do it, I mean, I just go to sleep when I'm tired. I mean, I, I'm, yeah, exactly. I went to bed late and woke Paul up early. Today. He's like, yeah, I, probably more than that. You just Chance, fall asleep when you're ready. You Chances you are half of America lost an hour of sleep last night <laughs> doing something, you know, tossing and turning. Yeah, It'll be fine. It's, it's, not, it's not anything to bemoan. I mean, if that's what you're worried about, yeah. this, is not, this is not the hill to die on. Spring Your evenings, lack of one hour of sleep. Sunlight and spring evenings where somebody might actually be out in their yard in your neighborhood is a, a lovely thing. Paul, give us the update. Do you have tickets to the Suns game? Do not. I'm going for the late play on Sunday, hoping Ball's some headed out to get, Arizona get next cheap. week. Hoping some things get cheap, but we're not hell bent on going. So I, I'd like to go. I think it'll. You have spent so much time, and now at the end of the road, it's we're not hell bent on going. Because, you need to go. Yeah, I, I'd like to go, but I, I'd like to go more than my family would like to go. But not for me. I want Simon to be able to say he saw LeBron the way but, I took him to see Jeter. I think you know? once you're there, they'll love it. Once you're there. I think yeah. if you leave T at the hotel and you and Simon go, you're going to be able to find a pair of tickets to get in, whether it's standing room only, upper deck, or reasonable. If, Paul, you can't be elitist when it comes to great seats if you want to get in to see LeBron. No, I don't I, think you're going to find that for reasonable. I agree with that. I, I'm not, I, I saw know. your face when I said standing room only. You're like, no, no, that's, I don't think there is standing room only in this building. Yeah, my face was over leave tea. The hotels were out of town for less than 12 hours, and I'm telling my wife to stay in the hotel. Well, the last time I was in this arena, it prompted uh, – it was the last thing I ate before a stomach bug hit. <laughs> That's what I'll always remember about this arena was Hutton and I were in a suite and I want to say 2007 or 2008 at the Super Bowl, and they had like some select media. You could like right. claim it. You went to the suite. We had food and beer in the suite. I'll never forget. I don't know why. And then I woke up. I was rooming with Hutton and woke up at 4 a.m. and said, you need to GTFO <laughs> yeah. right now because uh, the co-host that was with us was sick earlier in the week, and I knew it was happening. It so was all happening at once. And I think, Hutton, you just went to Nap Radio Row and fell asleep, I just right? Went to, I went to Radio Row and tried to uh, probably interview Dick Vermeil because he was the only one walking around. <laughs> Yeah, just you, know. hey, you got a great interview with Bob Golick, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Who was there at 5 a.m. Another guy who's yeah, living Bob, there. Bobby Golick. That's yeah. early. That's right. Radio Row. Leslie, hey. Leslie Visser's brother probably got you a few guests. Also very out. random. I don't know why this stuck with me. Cedric Sabalos was the in-arena host for the Phoenix Suns. You remember that? Yes. He, he was great. <laughs> he was the inter- He had just he brought retired. The he had just retired, and he was the guy on mic, and he was awesome. It was a big night for us. We uh, met Dan Marley. We yeah. went to Marley's <laughs> and met Dan Love Marley. That sounds made up. It does. But we're sitting there having a burger and a beer before the game, and Dan Marley's greeting patrons 
Hey, are you enjoying your uh, your sandwich? Yeah, love it, Dan. Thunder Dan, thanks. I'm loving this thunder sauce you have with these fries. This is my too. favorite non nick Great entry. Hey, uh, dedication to the show is important to us. Uh, proof of that. Uh, we, a shout out to to Bobby Carpenter who just got pulled over, but yet joins us, uh, and he is ready to go. He made it back to his home office just in time. He, had, he was texting me live during the first segment saying, hey, I got pulled over. I may not make it for this, for this hit. It's all good, but look at him. He sent me a text, gave me a thumbs up. He's ready to go. Bobby Carpenter joins us with the very latest reaction to what has been a busy week of NFL news and headlines. Doesn't look roughed up or anything. No, maybe he didn't get a ticket. We'll find out. Love that dedication. Ticket or no ticket, Chad? Your your vote. Uh, Bobby Carpenter in Columbus, Ohio. Better damn not been a ticket <laughs> given to that guy. I'm going to say An honored Buckeye. I'm, I'm going to say, say no. I'm going to say no ticket. I say ticket. No ticket. Um, that's my vote as well. I'm he got a warning. Chattis. I'm the only one who gets a ticket every time. We'll find out. Plus, get his take on all the trades, and including the biggest one that is non-quarterback related that he says impacts the league just as much. Bobby Carpenter next. And now kick 360. You ready? Showtime on May 3rd. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Bobby Carpenter joins us weekly. Got some um, prior engagements coming up later this afternoon, and he's nice enough to join us a little bit early just to make sure that we get his take on on the NFL, which we highly appreciate. We also appreciate uh, his diligence in getting back to his home studio after being pulled over. Bobby, uh, our votes are in. I said no ticket. Chad says no ticket. Paul says ticket. Um, On your drive back, Wherever you were coming from, to your studio, did you receive a ticket when you were pulled over? Thankfully, gentlemen, uh, no ticket. Ah. I was driving through a school zone with a number of other people, and I thought, I'm like, man, I don't feel like I'm speeding and get pulled over. And luckily, it was just the tags were expired. Ah. They were expired, though, by a year. And during COVID, I don't know if this was the case in Tennessee. Like, they shut down everything, and then they gave people extensions and yep. I don't know, the extension may have must have just come and went and you know, no one's really trying to get to the DMV on a regular basis. And I must just must have forgot about it. So thankfully, um, was able to just proceed on honest mistake. And it was pretty quick because I was worried, you know, sometimes those things can take 20 minutes. I'm like, if that's the case, there's a uh, chance I wouldn't get to spend some time <laughs> with you fine gentlemen here. This I think you should have been jailed. Handcuffed in jail. Hey, there's only one person on the show right now that 100% would have been ticketed, and his name is Chad Withrow. He's oh, never been let off. Even I have gotten out of a ticket. And, I, and a Bobby, ticket. I am the most respectful person to law enforcement <laughs> you have ever seen. Not one bit of attitude. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. No, ma'am. Fall on the sword. I'm sorry. I was going a little fast. My apologies. <laughs> it does not matter every time. I'm getting the full ticket. I show attitude. Not I'm even like, the half ticket. They don't oh, even minimize the speed. You're pulling me over for speeding. I mean, is there? have you ever pulled anybody over for anything but so, speeding? So, you ever pulled over anybody for going too slow, officer? I have done this in the past where, um, and, and Claire, like, 
she rolls her eyes at this, but it has worked. And I'm not saying it works all the time. It's just worked for me. Uh, when they come up to the window, I already have everything ready oh, to go. And I just say, Clip together. you got me. Like, let's speed this process up. Here's everything you need. Before they even say why they pulled me over. And then half the time, they just bring everything back and say, you know what? Thanks for being honest. Don't let it happen again. Slight warning. And, and we're off and rolling. I have been ticketed, though. So I can't say it works 100% I can 100% tell you that would not work for me. I mean, oh, thanks. I appreciate <laughs> you speeding the process up. I'll be right back it's with your, your full ticket, sir. You know, it, it's probably about a 50-50 with me. You know, I'm with you, though, Hutton. I'm, you get the full package. You get it ready. Deliver it to them. Make their job easier. You don't have to search around. When they pull it up, I already had everything out. Uh, it does help, though, you know, obviously playing you know, football in your local market and then being on the radio. And you know, I'm a pro police guy. I think you know, 99% of police officers try to do the very best that they can. And so I always try to voice that. So I guess a little bit every now and then maybe that comes back to you. So hopefully uh, that's a couple of years of good deeds. But I don't get pulled over near as much now as I used to. When I was younger, man, I'd, I'd speed all the time and speed recklessly and I guess being a dad, you kind of slow it down a little bit and maybe a little bit more patient. I, I once, uh, and we can end on this, I just want to let Bobby know, in high school, I was coming over the top of this hill where I lived, I lived two, two miles from my high school, coming over the top of the hill, and they popped me for the school zone that you were in. I got more community service. I was 17. I got more community, community service than the guy who got busted for pot in his locker that same day. <laughs> and we were in court the same day. And I was livid about it. I, I, to this day, I don't know how that happened. What Hun's not telling you is he went from that ticket and went and sold meth. And that's yes. what he really got caught yeah. for. Yeah. That's, that's what he got. Yeah. I became that's Walter why, White. That's why they really threw the book out. I became Walter White. <laughs> like, wait, this is less than speeding? Uh, that's good. He was the, uh, the kingpin of Warren County High School. <laughs> why? Uh, I, I think that you think Jimmy G is the guy in Indianapolis to replace Carson Wentz. Why so? Well, I know that, you know, Hutton's lobbying for Cousins, which I, I like that, too. I don't know if he'll be available. Derek Carr, I loved him for, you know, the Browns, for Indy, for anybody that had a good roster and felt like, you know what, our quarterback, you know, we could maybe upgrade. Derek Carr's like the, the greatest underappreciated quarterback that you're going to find with what he was able to do in Vegas where your coach gets fired. You have a player uh, kill someone via vehicular manslaughter, another guy get kicked off the team for – you know, Instagram and social media stuff with guns. And Derek Carr was able to hold all that together and play pretty darn well, you know, with basically just uh, Josh Jacobs and uh, Darren Waller is his really only two weapons. So, you know, I think he would be the number one choice. I like Cousins, but I'm telling you, Jimmy Garoppolo, if you look at what he's done, you know, he's been to a Super Bowl. He's been to another NFC Championship game. And so people are going to say naturally, well, he's on a great team. Well, here's the thing. If you look at Indy, they're a really darn good roster. They had the third best scoring defense in the NFL last year. They have a good offensive line. They have Jonathan Taylor to be an elite run, uh, running threat for them. They've got Michael Pittman. They've got some good receivers. Like They're all set up. Frank Reich runs a very quarterback-friendly system. And here's the issue. Like You look at Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is significantly more talented than Jimmy Garoppolo. The problem is... Carson Wentz gives you that roller coaster that you're sitting there riding each and every game. And you know what? He's going to win you some big games. And then he's also going to go out there against Jacksonville and what should be, you know, a, a roll the football out and win that thing when you're a double digit favorite to the you know team with a number one overall pick. Like that, that should, that should be easy money. And then he delivers an interception parade and gets sacked and doesn't play well. Like Jimmy Garoppolo, man, 
he may not have the highest ceiling in the world, but he's right here. And so I don't know if he can win you a Super Bowl. And I guess that's how we judge everybody right now. And I don't know if he can get you over the mountain, but the reality is, gentlemen, the Colts are just trying to get on the mountain right now. Like they're not trying to get over that thing. Like get into the playoffs, give them a chance, and then you can complain if you lose to the Kansas City Chiefs, or maybe you lose to the Denver Broncos or Buffalo Bills, you know, in a divisional round or in an AFC championship. But right now they just have that roster that's just being laid waste to because they don't have a guy there that can just play the hand he's dealt and doesn't need to try to split a pair of fours, you know, against the 17. Bobby, I'm with you. And they, they've got to get back into the conversation of contention. And that's the move. That That's why I would trade for Carr or Cousins and, and just make an offer that you feel like the, the organizations could not refuse because I think they've got to go above and beyond what Wentz was bringing, which was just as bad as he was as a leader, it was at least consistent, right? Like he, he they, they did win and were in contention, and all of us were on board with them saying they were more, among the more talented teams uh, towards November, and that's quickly changed in the, in the last couple of months. I want to I wanna also throw in... You said they could lose to Kansas City or Denver. We should mention the Chargers. Khalil Mack is now an L.A. Charger. What does that do for the makeup of that roster where they were extremely weak in stopping the run? He'll help there, and we know what he does whenever he can get around the football. He can force fumbles. Uh, He's a tackling machine. He's a disruptor. What does he bring for the Chargers? And ultimately, is it among the top top moves of the offseason, even with like a Russell Wilson to Denver? So I view this as a little bit part and parcel with the Russell Wilson move to Denver. You know, the AFC West, when you're talking about, you know, Derek Carr is potentially the worst quarterback in that division. I mean, I think that speaks to the talent there. And if you look at the AFC, it has a bevy of young quarterbacks. It has a bevy of young quarterbacks that are athletic and can run. Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, you know, Russell's a little bit older, but Russell Wilson can still get after it. You know, those are just a handful. Joe Burrow. You know, with what he's able to do, Lamar Jackson. And so if you want to be able to win, you have to find a way to keep the quarterback in the pocket and make sure that you can put pressure on him without bringing a lot of extra players. And so all of a sudden now, you don't have to bring you know, linebackers and safeties. You have the best pass rush tandem with Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, two big edge setters that can play the run and can also are athletic enough to chase around those quarterbacks in the pocket. And so if you look at how teams are usually built, they're constructed to play and beat the teams in their division. You have Pat Mahomes and you have Russell Wilson, two of the best you will find at extending plays. And adding Khalil Mack to the Joey Bosa simulation out there, that's going to give them a guy on each side that will be able to chase down those two guys and give Justin Herbert a chance and Mike Williams and that offense a chance to be able to stay in games because now you'll actually be able to get some stops. I feel like we spent all week, and I understand why, but talking about the Indy side of the trade and and also the Denver side of the trade, I want to go to the other two sides of this trade. What does this say about Seattle, that they're willing to deal Russell Wilson? Because for a lot of this offseason, most people were saying, that's crazy. Even if he's a little bit unhappy, they'll figure it out and they'll keep Russell Wilson. But Seattle deals Wilson. They cut Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner is now saying, didn't even hear about it from the team. Oh. Um, what do you make of the Seattle side of all this and the direction they're headed now, Bobby? 
it's it's amazing. It was a seven-year-old head coach, you know, on a team that when they drafted Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner, those guys became stars. And Bobby Wagner, you know, and he, he's in Seattle. And I think guy, people in the league know how good he is. Let's be honest. You know, if you're east of the Rockies, you're not getting a whole lot of Seahawks games, especially now that they haven't been great here the last year. And even before that, I guess they made the playoffs. But you're just not watching a lot. You don't consume a lot of it uh, just because it's in a very remote area. Bobby Wagner's a Hall of Famer. You know, he, he's been a, a all pro, you know, over five times. And like when to me, that's my qualification. If you can be considered at or near the best in your position for five to seven years, he has been that. You know, he checks all those boxes. They were just freely cutting him. And that says, like, hey, we're in a full-on rebuild. You know, DK Metcalf is young, so they'll probably hang on to him unless someone blows him away. But they have not drafted well, gentlemen, over the last five years. They have not given Russell Wilson the help that he needs. They have not really surrounded Bobby Wagner on that defense. The Jamal Adams trade is probably going to go down as one of the worst trades that you could have based upon what they gave up for him. And just, he's been injured. And you know they, they thought they were a defensive playmaker away, and man, they look miles away from that right now. They've been spinning through offensive coordinators. They've had a ton of issues, and you have a seventy-year-old year old head coach. And I understand Pete like probably feels like he still has a ton of gas left in the tank and has some energy. But man, I I don't know if at seventy I would be signing up for that. I think Seahawks fans are going to look at this. They've got a long road back because. You know, heading back to when they had Matt Hasselbeck and Mike Holmgren, they've been consistently pretty good with only a handful of down years. And when you're trying to replace your quarterback, if you can't find that guy, it's going to be tough. And it's even harder when you have a roster that really isn't on par with San Francisco, with Arizona, and with Los Angeles. Three really good teams who, by the way, all made the playoffs this year and all have really good quarterbacks. So if Seattle is squarely in rebuild mode, what does that mean for the Washington Commanders now that they have Carson Wentz at quarterback? What's their mode at this point now that Wentz is their guy? So they're in go try to get it done. You look at their defense. I mean, they've got some talented playmakers over there. They've got Sweat. They've got Chase Young. They have guys who can make plays on that defensive line. You know, offensively, they need some more weapons. Um, they, they've got Terry McLaurin on the outside. Had a really good rookie year. You know, Heineke, I mean, he had them in contention. You know, they weren't miles away. And I think you look at this if you're Washington, New York, I mean, they're not great. Dallas is talented, but they've got some salary cap issues and they always underachieve. You know, Philly, you know, ends up you know winning the division and playing pretty well. But, I mean, you know, do you really feel like they have a long runway with Jalen Hurts? I think if you can get the best out of Carson Wentz, then you're going to be pretty good. The problem is, gentlemen, like I said, those those valleys, they're pretty darn low. But Washington is just trying to get into contention. And they've been on a situation where they've been spinning quarterbacks forever. It seems like they haven't been able to find their guy. The closest they got to was Kirk Cousins, and they really didn't want him, franchise him twice, and then he leaves. So, you know, there's a unique situation in Washington where you know Carson Wentz, he could be the hero and he can play well. But he might be just good enough to get them right to that edge. And then all of a sudden you see him have just a really bad game, mails it in, and then that's when those fans for the commanders will probably turn on him. Jordan Davis blew up the combine. Probably the the biggest conversation piece out of the combine. Huge man, running fast, jumping far. Uh, Wasn't a three-down player at Georgia. And and I thought he had some dog in him, D-O-G, not D-A-W-G. 
uh, in, in some in some games. Um, what's your forecast for him coming into the league with all that buzz about all those numbers, but the uh, the tape too, where he was dominant at times. So this is the hard part for general managers and head coaches is they look at that and Bill Parcells had a called the walking the earth theory. And I reference this all the time because there's certain people where like, we need more guys like that planets. And the problem is God didn't make many men like that walking the earth that are 350 pounds that are six, 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 seven, you know, that can run a four, eight and broad jump 10 feet. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And you said you watch him be, you can watch him be dominant. The thing that makes Aaron Donald so special, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's incredibly explosive, but the relentless passion and the motor that he has. And there's something that Wade Phillips always talks about. You know, he talked about effort. And he's like, I, I grade effort the same way in passion on the field, the same way that I grade speed, you know, size, uh, and, you know, agility, any other trait. And a, a lot of scouts would push back on him. And it's like, well, anybody can give effort. He goes, well, anybody can, but not everybody does. And so that's the thing about Jordan Davis is I think he was in on less than 20% of third down plays. If you're going to draft a guy really high with those characteristics, you're going to expect him to go out there and dominate and play, you know, 55 to 60 snaps a game out of a potential 80. And I don't know if he's, he's built to do that. And maybe he changes in his mentality, changes he matures, gentlemen, and becomes that player ultimately. And I think that would be great for him. But he hasn't shown that yet. And so the problem is, is you guys, if you play poker, man, it's it's waiting on that straight draw or waiting on that flush draw. And you may have three or four really good cards and feeling good about it. And then all of a sudden, all you have is some you know mixed race hand that's not really giving you anything. And it doesn't line up and you were waiting for it. When instead of, you know, taking just an easy pair, you try to get that nice flush and win the whole thing, but it never really comes. And I feel like that could be Jordan Davis and maybe he changes and maybe he goes out and all of a sudden, you know, he develops that motor, but past performance is the best indicator we have of future performance at this point. And I don't know if you've really ever seen him just spill it for 60 minutes and be fully invested in a game. Final minute of our conversation today, Bobby, the, the acquisition of Russell Wilson from Seattle with the way Denver's roster is constructed, and they're not done yet. I mean, they're going to add more to their defense. They've got a lot of money to spend. Uh, maybe they're in the mix for like a Chandler Jones, for instance. What does the addition at quarterback do for them in 2022? Goodness, we, you look at everything that they have out there, I mean – They've got three elite receivers. Um, they've got a pretty solid running back. You, defensively, they're third in the NFL, I believe, in scoring defense last year. I mean, they, they seem to have just about everything. I, I look at this a little bit like Matt Stafford with what he went into with Los Angeles. And then they added Vaughn Miller and they added Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, they have Jerry Judy out there. They've got Cortland Sutton. You know, they've got Melvin Ingram as a running back. They've got good players I mean, they've got, or Melvin Gordon, rather. They, they have everything you need, and they'll be able to improve that defense. John Elway hadn't been able to draft a quarterback, but he's been able to get one in free agency, and he was able to trade for one who was pretty good. And if you look at their Super Bowl odds, I believe they were cut in about half when Russell Wilson joined the fray. I think that there's a good chance that you see Russell Wilson have the Matt Stafford type of year. I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to win the Super Bowl, but it would be stunning to me if they're not playing 
at least in the divisional round, if not pushing for an AFC championship. Bobby Carpenter, follow him on Twitter at bcarp3, and you can tell him your police stories as you get pulled over in a school zone. Bobby, uh, appreciate you as always, man. Love your work, and we'll catch up next week. Thanks. Thanks, gentlemen. You guys have a great weekend. Put a pair of aviators on him. He could be a cop. Oh, easy. Easy. Super Troopers 3 would be Bobby Carpenter. One you wouldn't mess with for sure. No. Uh, Coming up, Trey Wallace about to check in. Updates from the SEC tournament where A&M pulls the upset over Auburn. Arkansas and LSU are at the half. We'll get the very latest and figure out how Will Wade had the technical called on him in the first half. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. LSU with seven different players who scored in the first half, no more than five points for any individual, They trail by three at halftime against Arkansas at the SEC tournament. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Trey Wallace is in Tampa covering the SEC for Outkick.com, and he joins us at the half. Trey, give us uh, the rundown of what happened in that first half where Arkansas leads 29-26 and Will Wade getting the technical. Yeah, after that Will Wade technical, Arkansas goes on the 6-0 run in that final minute, um, and and they take the lead at halftime. I thought LSU played – uh, pretty well in the first half, kind of spread it out when it comes to scoring, not your your main contributors getting double digits or whatnot. But when you look at this thing overall, it's kind of the game that I expected, uh, Jonathan, uh, a back-and-forth type affair. And uh, Arkansas was the one that caught the breaks there towards the end. And, look, Will Wade was going to get a technical foul. It was just when, what half, what minute, and it was going to actually happen. And, uh, and it did. So we'll see how he handles himself here in the second half going forward. But, um, but yeah. A, a strong finish for Arkansas. Um, LSU probably come out trying to, to feed the post a little more, but uh, kind of what I expected in this game. So the first game, and by the way, congrats, Trey. You nailed it Great yesterday. Call. You called it. You said A&M over Auburn. Um, how much of this is A&M finding their stride in this tournament and the way they need to play under Buzz Williams and just a masterful coaching job from Buzz Williams, which we've seen before, how much of it is Auburn is really struggling right now at the wrong time of year? I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. I, you know, we talked about it yesterday. Uh, I thought the the Auburn point guards there were so many unknowns with this team, and that's what happened today. You look, Katie Johnson, he was non-factor today. Wendell Green was kind of a non-factor there in the second half, besides that big shotty drain there towards the end of the game. Uh, they got kind of Auburn within you know three or four points. But you look at this thing overall, too. Walker Kessler, yeah, he got his, his 10 points or so in the paint. But Texas A&M outscored Auburn in the paint today. So it's like, okay, that, that shouldn't be happening, even with Jabari Smith playing, you know, Chad. So I, I look at what Texas A&M was able to do. Um, Coleman, Reeves was able to get to the basket. Uh, Rapper, the way that they were shooting the basketball. And they were hitting 12 shots, too. Like when Auburn was going on that massive run and you had 13,000 Auburn fans in the arena going crazy, and then all of a sudden a and comes back down the other side of the court, drains a shot, shuts him up, 
and they never let that lead go away. They, they, they kept it within two to three. And you know what? It, it paid off in the end. So I thought AM executed really well today, Chad, and, and they deserved to win. Um, and also because, again, Auburn, you just don't know about this team sometimes, and it proved once again today that happened. Well, look, great comeback, great win for Vandy last night. Scotty Pippen Jr. was great, like he's been most of this season. Trey, what kind of chance do you give Vandy tonight against Kentucky to continue this run? You know, it, it's kind of going to depend on what kind of whistle they get. And I, and I hate to say that. Um, you know, with this game down here in this tournament, we know about some of these officials. But, you know, Vanderbilt's going to try to drive the basket. They're going to try to get, you know, Oscar Sheboy in trouble. They're going to see what the pressure they can put on Ty Ty Washington or Wheeler. Um, look, I, I liked Vanderbilt. I liked them last night. I, I thought they came out. I thought they, they played well in that second half against Alabama. The way they were given get on a run and get past the tide. Um, you look at the matchups tonight, and yes, if you look at this on paper, Kentucky should beat Vanderbilt. They should probably beat about 15, 20 points on paper. Okay? But if you can get 20 points out of Scotty Pippen Jr., and then you can find you can find somebody else to give you 10 here, 9 here. You know, they can build that up. And I think if they can play with enough defense and enough aggressiveness, then it can cause Kentucky to get into a couple problems. Uh, down in the paint. So it's all going to be, Chad, how they guard Oscar Seaborn. If they go about it the Tennessee way and say, okay, Oscar, you get yours, and then we're going to worry about everybody else, maybe they can do something tonight. It, it wouldn't surprise me. We've seen crazier things that happen, just like what we saw earlier today. Trey Wallace covers the SEC for Outkick.com. He is in Tampa at the SEC tournament. Read what Nate Oates said about his assistant interacting with Scotty Pippen. You asked for it, you're going to get it. But didn't hear the tone of, of Nate Oates. Uh, what was his frustration level with his coach having an exchange with a player that could only serve to, to fire him up? You know, Paul, I honestly don't think he knew. I mean, he said he didn't know. He said he didn't know about it. Um, I, I believe him because Nate Oates wasn't on the court. You know, these head coaches don't come out to the court until maybe a minute before the game, two minutes before the game, whenever they're doing the national anthem. Um, so for Scottie Pippen to, to go out and say something like that, that a coach said something to him, he's not just going to make that up. I mean, he's, there's no reason to. You are already beat Alabama. You got it in their head. It's a wrap. Um, Nate Oates was surprised. He said they would handle it, which doesn't mean anything. Um, but, you know, it probably was not the best thing to poke the bear last night. And that's what some Alabama assistant coach decided to do was poke the bear. So, you know, and, and they paid for it at the end. So, I mean, I, I who knows what comes actually out of it. But um, but NATO did not seem happy post-game when he was asked the question because I think he caught him off guard by him not knowing. Trey, who knows how long this, this ultimately plays out with Will Wade and LSU. Do you get the sense that he's coaching for his job in a way today? If they lose and then, you know, they fall quickly in the tournament, is, it, is he out? Jonathan, if they, if they lose today, let's just say they lose that first weekend in the tournament or even that first game, yeah. That's a long offseason, bud, a long one. And you, and, you, and you come in and you lose today against Arkansas and, you, and you know, you, you go out on your, your horse and getting technical fouls and looking like a – and a jackass on the <laughs> sidelines. Um, you're gonna, you agitate enough people, Jonathan. You know this. They're going to come for you. 
And um, if you keep representing your university the way that you do, and you stop winning, there's a difference. And you know this. You yep. can win and be like that. You start losing and you'd be like that. Yeah, people are like, okay, wait a minute. No, we don't like this anymore. Let's find a reason to give him out. So um, he needs to, they need to have a good second half. They need to have a good NCAA tournament. That means winning one or two games uh, for him to feel very comfortable because of all the NCAA stuff going on. And again, Jonathan, they got their notice. They got to respond. We'll have eight or nine months till the next basketball season starts up again. It'll be a long offseason for the, them in Baton Rouge. The second half is just underway with Arkansas and LSU, where the Razorbacks score in their first possession. They lead 31-26. Trey's going to recap this game for us, and we will preview Tennessee, Mississippi State, and Kentucky and Vanderbilt coming up at 520 Eastern. Trey, keep up the great work. We'll chat with you soon, man. Hey, thanks guys so much. We've just had a piece come out. Uh, talking about the, had a conversation with Ross Bjorn, uh, the athletic director. I was sitting right next to him. It's a it's a funny piece. So go enjoy it. I appreciate awesome. it. Guys. Awesome. Yeah, Thanks. absolutely. We'll retweet that immediately. Trey Wallace, follow him on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore. Coming up, we uh, we'll hit some scoreboards for you from across other tournaments. Some games of interest, headlines galore, and then later in hour number two, an NFL free agency primer as things officially get underway on Monday with negotiations across the NFL landscape. That's all coming up. Plus, uh, Brent Hubbs, Trey Wallace, SEC tournament coverage. Stick with us. Fun Friday ahead. Two hours left. One in the books on OutKick 360 across the OutKick network.